Our gospel reading today comes from the Gospel of St. Matthew. We're reading from the ninth chapter, 35th verse, to the 10th chapter and the 8th verse. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore ask the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into this harvest. Then Jesus summoned his 12 disciples and gave them authority over unclean spirits to cast them out and to cure every disease and every sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, known as Peter, and his brother, Andrew. James, the son of Zebedee, and his brother, John. Philip and Bartholomew. Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector. James, the son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus. Simon, the Canaanian. And Judas Iscariot, the one who will betray Jesus. These 12 Jesus sent out with the following instructions. Go nowhere among the Gentiles and enter no town of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. As you go, proclaim the good news, the kingdom of heaven has come near. Cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out demons. You received without payment, give without payment. Take no gold or silver or copper in your belts, no bag for your journey or two tunics or sandals or a staff, for the laborers deserve their food. Whatever town or village you enter, find out who in it is worthy and stay there until you leave. As you enter the house, greet it. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. If anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, shake off the dust from your feet as you leave the house or town. Truly, I tell you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town. See, I am sending you out like sheep into the midst of wolves. So be wise as serpents and innocent as doves. Beware of them, for they will hand you over to councils and flog you in their synagogues. And you will be dragged before governors and kings because of me as a testimony to them and the Gentiles. When they hand you over, do not worry about how you are to speak or what you are to say, for what you are to say will be given to you at that time. For it is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father speaking through you. Brother will betray brother to death and a father his child, and children will rise against parents and have them put to death, and you will be hated by all because of my name. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. When they persecute you in one town, flee to the next. For truly I tell you, 
you will not have gone through all the towns of Israel before the Son of Man comes. This is the word of the Lord. Good morning. I saw that it said the message, and now I'm not seeing that anymore, so I think I'm on. So good morning, everyone. You're on. You're, we Come see on. you. So I want to put a date in your mind. It's a date that maybe is already there. March 14th, 2020. It's one of those dates, a handful of dates, that will be etched in our memory. It'll be like Kennedy's assassination or the explosion of the space shuttle or 9-11. We will remember where we were, who we were with, and what we were doing. It'll be a pivotal moment because everything changed. I was with my family in Boston that day um, for what was to have been a festive birthday party for my daughter. The invitations had been received, responses. We were to have 43 people. There was a venue, food purchased, decorations planned, music selected. And then, then everything began to shut down. The cancel had, the party had to be canceled. Everything was about to change. I don't know, where were you? What were you doing? Maybe it's too soon. As a transition pastor, change is kind of what I do. Every congregation I've been with for a really long time, I've been there because things are changing. So I know about change. I know that change can be wonderful, can bring about fabulous new life. And I know that change can be painful and challenging. I know that it is life altering. It can be rewarding all kinds of other adjectives. Change is no one thing, it is everything. And I also know that change is constant. It doesn't only happen in those cataclysmic moments that we remember. It doesn't only happen at transition places where there is a process to manage it, but change is every day, every moment. Change is part of life. Some changes more significant than others, but it's a constant. We can name the more significant changes, graduations, marriages, job changes, changes in leadership, change of location. And during this pandemic, we can name changes that we could never have expected. A change in how we gather, how we worship, how we live together as families, how we work, how we play. Change is constant, its impact varies, and our reaction varies. But here's the other thing that I've learned over the years about change. To really become adaptable to all these daily and weekly and monthly and yearly changes in life, both the negative and the positive, it's really helpful every now and then to sit back and think about what doesn't change. What are the constants? What are the fundamental things that kind of give us foundation for our lives? We're people of faith. 
And so, of course, the most obvious and constant fundamental foundation of our life is the word of God. More even than those family relations, the good ones and the conflictual ones, the friends who sustain us, the thing that is fundamentally unchangeable for us is the word of God. A number of years ago, I went to a church growth conference um, with a group of people from a church where I was working. And the whole um, thrust of the, con of the conference was that we as the people of God need to keep the main thing the main thing. They must have said that a thousand times. And what it meant was we need always to go back to the thing that fundamentally is our anchor the word of God. Pretty important thing for our lives right now as they're in such flux. Today, our scripture helps us with that. It gives us a framework for, for, for faith foundations. As the whole world around us continues to whirl, maybe this is a good time for us to think about this. So I wonder if we might think about four questions this morning. They're pretty basic questions, questions we've probably all been asked before. How have we been called? To what have we been called? To whom have we been called? And what do we do? What do we carry with us when we live out the call that we've been given? Now, I don't know all of you very well yet, but I am pretty sure that most of you have already mentally answered that first question. Well, pastor, of course, we're called by our baptism. The, of course we are. And our scripture today refines that a little bit. Because in Matthew's gospel, we have this time where Matthew is calling the disciples, calling the 12 apostles. And he's calling them for a very specific task. This is a hinge place in the gospel. Up until now, we've focused on Jesus and his ministry, how he has gone into all these places, how he has healed, how he has directed, how he has listened, how he has loved, how he has brought God and light and wonder into the lives of people, all people, people that others loved and people that they didn't, people they agreed with and people that they didn't. And now, now, Jesus looks out and he says to all the disciples, he says, look at how much needs to be done. Look at the harvest. Have you ever been at a field when the farmers are harvesting? It's almost overwhelming because there's so much to be gleaned there, so much to be collected, so much to be used and gathered in. That's the image that Jesus uses. What are we looking at? What's the harvest outside of our doors, outside of our church? What needs to be gathered? Where is it that we need to be sent? But Jesus calls the 12, naming them. Names are important. And how he calls them is really, really significant for us in this place of what is unchangeable. 
in this place of how do we find something to hold on to in the midst of so many things that are changing. When he calls the 12, he calls 12 because, of course, those with whom he is in communion at that time would understand the number 12, the 12 tribes of Israel, that wholeness of the nation of God's people. And he calls them as this ragtag kind of group, the obvious sinner, Matthew, the tax collector, whom I'm sure the other 11 were not thrilled about. He calls the outcast. One of them is absolutely aligned with government power, and another one is extremely opposed to that power. One is plotting to betray Jesus. Another can't wait to be in Jesus' presence. Jesus' selection isn't led by getting together a group of like-minded, similarly raised folks who will sing in the same key. Jesus calls all kinds of people together, just as they are, to bear the word into a diverse and changing and confusing and sometimes broken and always needy world. Jesus calls those 12 and thereby calls us as everything seems uncertain and unsettled and he sends them out and he sends us out reminding us that in our baptisms we are called into unsettled waters to be there with unsettled people and what is it that we are called to do what is this harvest this place full of stuff to be plucked up to nourish to carry god's unchangeable word and grace and promise and love. That's what we're called to, isn't it? To witness to what God has already done in Jesus Christ and to commit ourselves to bringing that forward into the world, to carry the constant. Because no matter what was going on around Jesus, no matter who confronted him, no matter who said, this is not okay. Jesus had the word of God, the presence of God, the same message of love and forgiveness and mercy, and it never changed, and it never has, and it never will. What an amazing thing for us to hold on to in our own lives, to carry that constant. In today's scripture, before Jesus even sends them and calls them, he looks. And he looks at them with compassion. What an amazing word that is. He looks at them with the heart of a mother. I use that image because I've just finished reading um, a book called The Book of Joy. It's by the Dalai Lama and Desmond Tutu. And on their um, birthday, they get together and they have a wonderful celebration and hours and hours and hours of conversation. And one of the things they talk about is compassion. They talk about compassion as that place of being together in suffering. And they talk about the fact that the word compassion comes from a Hebrew word that means womb. 
means being in that place of motherly, all-encompassing love. That's one of the unchangeables that we bring with us. And they talk about how when we go out with compassion, it not only benefits those whom we touch, but we are also blessed by that word of compassion. Like those 12 who were sent by Jesus into the harvest, we are also named and sent to travel with Jesus as our companion, as the presence that we carry. And that doesn't change. Our call, our mission to carry Jesus with compassion into a waiting world. That's what we do. That's who we are. And who are we carrying it to? Maybe this is where it becomes really interesting. Because in today's scripture, Jesus doesn't send those 12 out saying, you got to get everybody, go to the whole world. He says, stay close. Stay among those you already know. Start there. Start in the place where you are. You don't have to go that far. There are so many people right next to you who already are in need who need to hear from you, who need the word of God. So often we try and make our mission and our ministry so big that it feels overwhelming and we can't imagine how we can possibly. Jesus says, go slowly, go gently, go into all those homes, leave my word. Some will take it, some will not but be my presence. It doesn't mean when Jesus says, go into only these close places, and if nobody listens, don't worry about it, and just be my presence, and I will give you words when people confront you. It doesn't mean that we're kind of off the hook, simply to gather to speak God's love in Jesus to one another. It means that we are called to be passionate about our word, to see the need for it, to bring it into the changing, broken, suffering, sinful, needy places where we dwell and where others dwell with us. Jesus called the 12 and calls us to be in the spaces that are needy. When we go to Paul's word in Romans today, Paul, whose mission was always to form and encourage and to, to direct fledgling communities of God's people, we hear him stating these things that we've been called to do. He talks about the foundation, the unchangeable, the grace, the peace, the faith that we've been given as gifts. And he uses that as the place for us to hold on to so that when we come to the place of suffering, we have strength. So that we hold on through the changes, creating hope built on a solid rock. So much has changed and will change, but we do not despair. Rather, we bring the hope 
and love of God that is unchangeable into every place of division, into every prayer of healing, into every conversation about race and gender equality and LGBTQ rights, into every disagreement, into every place of beginning awareness of systems that need to be named and reformed and changed. We bring this unchangeable word of God's love and mercy, this unchangeable word of God's presence, so that as we name systems that need to be changed, we do not vilify the people who are in the midst of those systems, but we name the systems and we look deeply and we know that bringing God's love can make a difference. We bring what is unchangeable into every word of forgiveness, those we speak and those that we receive. We don't need to bring anything else. In the message version of this text, um, it says, you don't need to rent a big space. You don't need to have a big fundraising campaign. You simply need to go into the places where God's word needs to be spoken. March 14th, 2020. Other dates that hold in our brains where things changed, where we knew that things would never be the same again. But in that change, in that place, in the uncertainty, there is what we cling to. Our family discovered that the connections that we had, our laughter and our tears remained, our compassion and love for one another, our conflicts, our arguments, those things didn't change, and also our faith. We who have been named we who are baptized, we are called to times such as this. We are called to look into the world around us with compassion, to enter into division and suffering, knowing that we go there with the hope of God's redeeming world. We are called to bring enduring love so that the world may hope or as Carol has reminded us today, we are called to bring this little light of ours and not let anything blow it out and not let any of us, of, and not let anything change our tenacious clinging to that word, but to let that light shine in the midst of the change that threatens to destroy us because we know that our light is the light of God's love and nothing, not life, nor death, not things present, not things to come, nothing in this life can blow it out. So bring it. Let that little light shine in the midst of change 
be the word of what is unchangeable. Amen.